Why is it that some people can take the lives of others and never get caught? They are a dealer in an unfair game of cards. The pockmarked man was a man who the police hunted for decades, only to be found later by a suicide note, taking the stories of his victims with him and leaving the police to wonder how they ever looked past one of their own. Light up your Christmas tree and let's decorate it together while we talk about our third case of Christmas and crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about the pockmarked man. This is a very interesting case, and I actually had never heard about it until I was looking into some, you know, less known cases that I hadn't seen covered by anybody else before. And I kind of got excited about, you know, talking about this case, and I figured this was going to be one of the perfect cases to put in our Christmas and crime I mean, it's nice to talk about cases that a lot of people, you know, have heard of before, kind of like Bella and the Witch Elm. I feel like that's a little bit more of a, you know, well-known case, but to talk about a case that not a lot of people have covered, and, you know, that's just going off of the people that I listen to, because I do listen to, you know, a lot other true crime people, but either way, it just made me excited to talk about a case that I had not actually heard about um, and share that with you. And can I just say, welcome back, everybody. Like, I'm so excited. Uh, We're on day three of our Christmas in crime. You know, I missed you guys. Like, I know it's only been a day, but I just couldn't wait to talk to everybody again. So welcome back. Let's have a party. And I hope you haven't decorated your Christmas tree yet, because that's what we're doing today. We're decorating our Christmas tree, and we're talking about a killer. So I hope that's just as much fun for you as it is for me. Um, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Like I said, it's about the pockmarked man. And as you heard in the beginning, this was a unsolved case or really unsolved cases until a suicide note was left by the killer. And that's kind of how we, you know, know who this man is now. Unfortunately, because like I said, this was left by a suicide note. We never really got to question him. We never got a lot of the closure that we like to get in a situation like this. Um, These victims, yeah, they might have gotten some closure, but they really didn't get the closure that they deserved. And that is really heartbreaking for them. Now, because this was a unsolved case for so long, we're going to go ahead and cover it in a slightly different way than we usually do. Usually, as you know, we cover, you know the main victims or something like that talk about them their past whatever and then we talk about the killer and who the killer was how they grew up um but because this was an unsolved case and we didn't get that closure or that like we didn't get to like talk to him if that makes any sense we are going to cover this in kind of the police's eyes if that makes any sense we are actually going to just talk about it in like a case by case or event like situation as the police would have seen it while they were searching for this unknown man 
And then when we get into the suicide and, you know, the confession and those kind of type of things, that is when we are going to talk about the man that was responsible for this. So like I said, it's going to be slightly different than what we usually do, but I feel like that's going to be the best way to really cover this case because that is how this case sat for so long. Now, everything was quiet, obviously not quiet, but nothing happened until April 8th of 1986. A man approached an eight-year-old girl named Sarah. Quick trigger warning, we do on this podcast, as you probably know, talk about some hard things to hear, but these are real life things that happen, and that's one of the reasons why I do feel like they are so important to actually talk about. These are things that happen, they're heartbreaking, they're sickening to listen to, but they happen. So this is your trigger warning now, this was an eight-year-old girl, if you can't stomach listening to that, then maybe click off of this episode and I'll see you tomorrow. Because like I said, we're here every day for a week. So, but anyways, so eight-year-old Sarah got approached by a man in the elevator of the building she was living at. This man, as he spoke to her, told her that he was a police officer and that she needed to come with him. And because kids are taught to believe police officers and doctors and those type of people... She did just that, and she followed this man into the basement of this building. This is where this quote-unquote police officer would then rape and strangle this eight-year-old girl with a scarf. He thought that he had killed Sarah, and he left her down in that basement. But luckily for Sarah, and unluckily for this man, Sarah woke up. And Sarah was not dead. Once Sarah woke up, she was able to go and find somebody for help. And that is really where the police got their first glimpse and red flags of this man that they were going to search for for a very long time. Only a month later, this pockmarked man would strike again. 11-year-old Cecile decided to follow him probably following the same story as Sarah, that he was a police officer and she needed to come with him. She followed him into the basement of her apartment. And this is where this man would then rape and succeed in killing 11-year-old Cecile. 11-year-old Cecile was only trying to leave for school that day. They found her because her mother had decided to call her cell phone to check up on her to make sure that she had returned back to school after lunch. But Cecile did not answer her cell phone. This is when the mother decided to contact the school and they informed her that her daughter never arrived to school. Obviously, this raised a panic in her parents and they began searching for her. Very early on in that search, that is when they found her in the basement and discovered what had happened. Cecile was located underneath an old carpet. She had been raped, strangled, and stabbed as well because he wanted to make sure that he had killed Cecile because Sarah had been left alive. But luckily for the authorities, 
After they discovered Cecile and they began their investigation, Cecile's half-brother, Luke Richard, would inform the police that he saw somebody strange in their building. The police would sit down with Luke, and this is where they would get their first official sketch of the pockmarked man. The description that Luke gave the sketch artist of this man was that he was in his late 20s or early 30s. This man had an athletic build to him and had a pockmarked face. Now, just like that weird thing we talked about in Bella in the Witch Elm that I didn't understand, I also did not understand what pockmarked face meant. I looked it up. This means that this man had a severely acne-scarred face and that he was covered in just acne scars. He also informed the sketch artist that this man walked and talked very confidently. And when he passed Luke, he had told him to quote-unquote have a very, very good day. And that was the last that Luke saw him. The police felt like this case was moving so fast that they could find who this man was and get him off the streets. But just as quickly as this case caught on fire, it burned out and turned cold. They ran out of leads after they posted this police sketch. It was posted everywhere, but nobody could tell anybody who this pockmarked man was. And the investigation was closed in 1992 because they felt like it was so old and so cold that there was no way they were ever going to resolve it. But in 1996, a new judge disagreed with this decision. This judge decided to open the case back up and ordered a genetic analysis of the evidence which they had not done previously and they got the suspect's DNA off of the body the Pocker man had killed off of Cecile's body it felt like things were starting to warm up and they were going to start moving things they entered this DNA into a database and it flagged so many more cases that were connected the killing of a 21-year-old German woman in 1987 and her boss. The rape of a 14-year-old girl in 1987. A kidnapping and rape of an 11-year-old girl in 1994. And the murder of a 19-year-old in 1994. The Pocker Man now was linked to more than just two cases and was officially a serial killer. They wanted to catch him as fast as possible. I wanted to dig into these other cases too really quick because they are still just as important as the previous two we talked about. Jills and Poiti, hopefully I'm saying that, were the German pair that were found murdered. They had been bound and tortured before they were killed. And when they looked into it more, they discovered that the woman had had a list of past lovers. They managed to track down every single person off this list and cross them off, except for one. The one man that they could not cross off this list was somebody who had dated her and given her a fake name. 
They felt like this had to be the pockmarked man, and he was officially linked to this case, but they couldn't be 100%. June 1994, they found Karine Leroy, who was 14 at the time. She had disappeared, and about a month later, they found her murdered body in the woods. Then there were the two rapes of the 11 and the 14-year-olds. He had left the DNA at the scene, and that's how he was linked to these two cases. And these girls had told authorities that he flashed his badge at these girls on two different occasions. He then informed them that he was an officer, and they had to come with him, and then proceeded to cuff them, and they followed him. The pockmarked man had now been linked to rapes of minors, murders, attempted murders, armed robbery, and even kidnapping now. During the early times in this investigation, they discovered a ton of DNA evidence that he left behind. This, on top of the witnesses who talked about the scars he had that covered his face, they now thought this was going to be a quick open and shut case after all of this came to light. Not one that the authorities were going to still fight for decades. Because this case grew cold again. God, they had so much evidence. They had his DNA. They had so many live victims and dead victims and people talking about his face and they linked him to all of these, but they couldn't find the pockmarked man. They did, however at this point, agree that the pockmarked man had to be an actual policeman or military officer, and that that part of the story was not a lie. He was telling these girls the truth. Even with that information, this case stopped moving. So they moved on again, and they took a new case after another new case. And all of these girls that were victims to the pockmarked man grew older as this case grew colder and collected dust. They still worked on this case on the side though, however, and at the end of a 35 year investigation, the police had finally narrowed down some information. This information included that the pockmarked man had worked as a French police officer. He had worked in Paris at the time of the crimes. And because of this, they quickly began calling in one officer at a time to cross them off of this long list of police officers that could fit into this. On top of that, they interviewed the officers and they asked every single one of them to leave a possible DNA sample to analyze. They were hoping this was going to finally lead them to the pockmarked man. Or, if they couldn't get the man responsible, at least they could get another lead. While these interviews of other French policemen were going on, they got a call that one of their unquestioned, retired policemen had been reported missing by his wife. This was immediately suspicious, and they went to look for him. Finally, somebody listens to a red flag. But once the police found this unquestioned retired French police officer who had worked in Paris, he was dead 
This man had overdosed on pills and there was a suicide note by his side in an apartment. While the police were analyzing the scene, they picked up this note and they read it. And they discovered a jaw-dropping secret. They could officially stop those police interviews because they had found the pockmarked man. Retired French policeman Francois Vera, who was 59 years old at the time, that he decided it was time to close the case of the pockmarked man and overdose on pills after he wrote a note to the officers. Francois claimed that these were past impulses in this note and that he had not acted or committed on any more crimes or impulses after 1997. The reason he gave in this note was because he decided to get his act together when his wife gave birth to their daughter. It is also quoted in that note that he wrote, quote unquote, I admit being a great criminal who committed unforgivable acts until the end of 1990s. The police needed to confirm this claim though, and they took a DNA sample of the dead body of Francois. When it came back, it came back as a match. They could finally mark this case as closed and hold somebody responsible. But the man that was responsible was gone forever. And they could not give the families that closure that they really deserved. And even though at this point, the police were able to close four different murders and six different rape cases, along with a kidnapping case, they felt like Francois was responsible for so many more crimes. Guys, I don't have anything on Francois' childhood. A lot of places, when they cover a case like this, will talk about how great it is that they closed a 35-year-old case and all these different cases that were closed, but they don't go into the childhood that often, and I could not find anything on Francois' childhood. That's all I have. It's crazy to me that this man, especially a police officer, could get away with so many crimes for years. This man got away with murders and rapes. He literally had a description of himself, a DNA sample, and was known to be on the police force, much less in Paris. They could narrow all these fields down, but they still could not catch the pockmarked man. I hate the fact that it took him committing suicide and writing a note to be caught, and that we could not just find this man and ask him these questions and hold him accountable because he ruined so many lives. And of course, just like Francois killing himself and leaving the closure for these families feeling very, very vague. That's all I have for you today. Francua is leaving today's episode feeling very vague as well because we have no information on how he grew up or who Francua was. Sometimes the police can catch the killer before they kill again. 
And sometimes the clock is running for the authorities to catch them before they kill themselves. We always hope that we will catch the killer and get the real stories of what happened to these victims out for everybody to hear and the closure for the family that they need. But the reality of the situation is sometimes the killers get away, either taking their stories and information with them or confessing through a suicide note. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.